Advent season about Jesus' family. And in the process, we've been learning a little bit about our own families and what it all means and how it all fits to fits together. And, and we've been looking at his, his uh, particular royal branch of his, of his family tree. But tonight, we're going to turn our attention to his most immediate family, his parents, Mary and Joseph. You see, when Matthew writes about uh, people in Jesus' family tree, anytime he mentions a woman, there's always a story. Isn't that right, guys? There's always a story. In fact, if you want to look at this uh, with me, we're in Matthew chapter 1, and, and here it is in verse 16. And, and Jacob, the, f- the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Now, this is really interesting because Matthew sticks to a very Jewish convention. That is, he tells who Jesus' father was, but he mentions some women. But it's not that he just mentions women here. He mentions Mary twice. And that means that this is the most important part of the story, but you already knew that, didn't you? Matthew talks about Jesus' family tree Mary is the last woman mentioned. And there's always a story, and it's well repeated every single year. And we pick the story up in in Luke, one of the other biographies of Jesus, with an angel visiting a young girl, which, by the way, if you didn't know, there's a very good possibility that Mary was maybe 14 years old at the time. And here's what happens. Here it is. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. You know, I wonder what went through her head in that moment. A little bit of panic, maybe? A little bit of confusion? If there's an emotion that you can imagine, it's probably something that Mary felt because you have to remember, we're reading this story in retrospect. But at the time, Mary was a real person living in very real circumstances. And this was very real to her. But I do, I wonder what happened going through her head. And Now, let's be honest, an angel's talking to her and that kind of helps. How many of you wish that an angel would tell you what to do next, right? That would be great. I imagine that helped her, but, but still, there had to have been this reality that would set in over a period of time. And I find it very interesting that the very next thing, Mary asks a, an important question. <clears throat> she says, I'm not married yet, so how is this going to happen? Very real question. Mary knew the customs and the conventions of the time period, and there was only one way that this was supposed to happen. And here's what the angel said to her. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called 
the Son of God. And again, more reality. This is something that God was going to do, and God only. Now, you can probably imagine that all of this did not go over well with Joseph, right? His uh, fiance with child mm, probably made him a little uncomfortable, to say the least. Matthew picks up the story in in verse 18 of chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. This Joseph had a lot of integrity. He wanted to be faithful to both the law, but he also wanted to care about this young woman that he was betrothed to. And so another angel is dispatched. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. You see, Jesus is a version of Joshua. In Hebrew, it's Yeshua, which means Savior. And that's who Jesus was. Even his name announced in who he was and what he would do. But I think we need to pause and understand just exactly what's happening here. The reality of this, the reality of what's going on in our story. Take Mary. Mary's reputation is shot completely, utterly. She is betrothed. That means that she's not married. She's not living in Joseph's house, but he the two of them are effectively engaged and married inside of the law, and the fact that she's pregnant means either one of two things. She has had an affair, or the two of them have done something they weren't supposed to do. Either way, there are stiff penalties. But more importantly, and I really want you to think about this, can you imagine the small town whispers every time she would walk down the road. Some of you have grown up in small towns, and this is not hard for you to imagine. Joseph, on the other hand, his reputation is completely sunk as well. Because if you think about it, he has either done something he wasn't supposed to do, he is a fornicator, or he is a fool for even marrying her again. Can you imagine that? Either way, he's in trouble. And I wonder, I just wonder, how much of that affected his business? He's a tradesman, he's a carpenter. What was his reputation and how would this small town treat him and the work that he did? This is the reality that these people faced. And, and we, we gather together every year and we go, oh, yes, the Christ is coming and yay and happy. But in that moment in time, in that set of circumstances, there was a whole lot of, what is going on here? Do you hear me? Have you been there? 
don't lie, you're in church. Because <laughs> we all have at some point. If you don't remember anything else I tell you tonight, if you walk out and, and you're all excited about Christmas trees and Christmas presents, that's cool. But the one thing I want you to remember more than anything else is simply this. Next slide. God's plan isn't about our comfort, just our trust. That's it. It's not about how comfortable we are because let me tell you, Mary and Joseph, not comfortable. That couldn't have been a set of comforting circumstances that they were in. And oh yes, she's well with child, many months pregnant, <clears throat> going to Bethlehem, a few days journey on a donkey. That ain't comfortable. This is the reality of the story that we're reading about. And all this month, all this month, as we've been reading about these women and the stories that we find in the scriptures, we've been asking this question, why? Because here's the thing, Matthew, again, following Jewish convention, making sure that we understand who his, who his parents and his father's fathers were, but he's mentioning these women, which would have been a little bit different, but it's the women that he mentions that are a little bit odd. And in, in the first century Jewish reader who's going after that story is probably going, why on earth would you mention that part of his history? Why would you mention that woman? Matthew, why would you do such a thing? That's not important. Oh, but it is. Matthew, why would you bring up Tamar's scandal? Matthew, why would you bring up Rahab's profession? Matthew, why would you drag Ruth's ethnicity into all of this? Why would you mention Bathsheba's loss? And by the way, he never even uses her name. Why, Matthew, would you bring up Mary's humiliation? Why would you do that? What are you trying to tell us, Matthew? Why, why would you bring up those things? It's not that they're women, but the stories that they tell are, in some ways are very painful. Why would you do that? And maybe, maybe Matthew wrote about those things so that you and I can identify with Jesus. Jesus had a weird family, just like yours, just like mine. Those were real circumstances, not unlike our own. And you know what? I kind of think that it's the same reason why Jesus came as a baby. Because we understand babies. Yes, we were all babies once, but we've been around babies. We've seen them. We understand them. You see, Jesus came in the form of baby so that you would understand him. And he had parents and grandparents and great-grandparents and a lineage of very strange people in very odd circumstances so that we would understand him so that we wouldn't feel distant from him, that we would find him approachable. That's why. Matthew, why would you do this? Because I want you to see that there's something more here. Was he the son of God? Oh, yes, he was, but he was also fully human with all of the mess and dysfunction that every single one of us 
has in our own family tree. And I don't know about you, but that's good news, isn't it? Just so that we understand him. So that we can relate to him, that we can find him approachable. Were there angels and shepherds, a star and wise men? Oh yeah, there was all of that. But tomorrow morning, when you go and you sit by your tree, and the paper's flying because the kids are ripping apart the packages. I want you to remember that God himself wrapped himself in human flesh just so that you could relate to him.